Well, ladies and gentlemen, um, if you've made it that far into the podcast, I don't even know what to say. Welcome to Breaking Balls, episode number four, the Kevin Harvick episode. I figured we'd do something very special. My co-host, Adam O'Shea, who you just heard for about three and a half minutes, said, no, fuck that. We're going to do something really special. And he just did a back-to-back remix for Richmond weekend. Adam, just... Bravo, sir. Bravo. Well done. Well done. Oh, we were uh, we were talking about Harvick going back to back all weekend, and you know, just came to me like a vision. And you know, obviously, I'm not a rapper, but here we are. And- I've heard worse things on SoundCloud, uh, Adam. That was well done, uh, written in like like what two hours, my friend. Yeah, we, we wrote that. We wrote that in two hours. I it was so funny. I, I sat down and I was like, all right, I'm gonna write this pop, and then sent you it an hour later and you're like all right you got to do it you got to record it so peer pressure uh i want to thank coors light uh had a big hand in making sure that that rap got recorded um but yeah figured we might as well have a little bit of fun i mean it's content who cares we will make sure that those lyrics are in the link in the description for the podcast because uh, it's worth reading it's really poetic but uh, yes richmond week coming and going adam kevin harvick going back to back in the words of my friend Adam O'Shea. Um, what a weekend, my friend. <laughs> yeah, fun weekend. Um, a lot of back and forth about this race online to this point. We'll get into that a little bit later. Um, I really enjoyed Richard. Thought it was a thought it was a good race. Um, you know, I thought it was fun to see the variety of lines that were working, um, especially in stage one. It was pretty shocking to see very early in the race, a bunch of guys started, you know, really using the outside line and had a lot of success doing it early jumped out really quick you could see that um it wasn't gonna be a typical bottom line race for richmond which has been the, the past especially at the spring race guys were kind of doing things from the start trying something different ty ty dylan chris bell jumped to the top really quick in stage one and they were flying by it and it really the field took notice and kind of took the whole top lane away for a while because it was so successful yeah, it seemed like, uh, like you said, Ty Dillon was the first one to go up there, and everybody was like, all right, well, that's kind of, that's interesting. And then the life in the fast know, lane, right? Yeah, life in the fast lane, am I right? You know, figure on USA Network, you know, see if we can't get him a little bit, be a little bit relevant during the race. Why not? You know, and then, of course, you see Ricky Stenhouse start to do it. And then at me personally, I'm like, all right, like, I don't really know what's doing, but Ricky ended up picking up like three or four spots the second he went up there. He went up there, and I think two or three turns later, he picked up three or four spots. And then when Chris Bell started doing it, that's when the broadcast started talking about it. And on top of that, you just saw all the spotters, basically, who were up there saying, hey, uh, you know, you're not going to believe this, but the 20 has got his, you know, got his left tires on the second dash, and he's running fast, very fast. Uh, Very cool to see, you know. Just a unique line, I think, coming into Richmond, you know, usually you put it on the bottom line and you don't, you put your inside tires on the bottom line and you don't take them off of it in the turns. And to see multiple lines working at that track was really a, a very, very interesting day of racing, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it uh, it ended with uh, Kevin Harvick, obviously, kind of, I don't want to say running away with it, because at the end, Chris Bell definitely made it interesting. We'll talk about uh, just all the things that happened at Richmond, but I think we got to lead with that finish too, Adam, because... Harvick got away from Logano, thought, okay, it's kind of over here. And Christopher Bell, I mean, what was it, 14, 15 to go? They kind of mentioned on the broadcast, okay, Christopher Bell's, what, five seconds back, four seconds back, he's coming. Thought, okay, NBC's just trying to drop a little drama here. And once he got by Busher, it was like, okay, what, two seconds back with three laps to go? No way. Honestly, Adam, if, if that front straightaway is on the other side... I think that he gets him. I, he was flying. He was on his bumper by the by the finish line. Oh, hundred percent. If the if the finish line was on the opposite straightaway, if it was on the back stretch instead of the front stretch, I think Chris Bell wins that race. It's and there was really nothing. I don't think Harvick had anything for him. I think he was really trying to hang on there. He was, you know, hadn't pitted in a while, and he was literally a straightaway away from this being, you know, Chris Bell winning a race and. We've gotten a whole different conversation on the podcast, but you know, now with having Harvey go back to back, uh, we got a wrap out of it and you know, we still get that. What if question for one more week of what if we end up with 16 winners is, you know, and you know, going into it, just, we were talking a lot about Martin Truex Jr. And Ryan Blaney. Um, neither one of them really jumped out at me during the race, other than the fact that they were, uh, 
They hand were up. just I oh, hand up. for the I fell for the Martin Truex Kool Aid this weekend. Um, I really thought he'd be competitive. There was a lot of hype. He was the betting favorite, Adam, and he was just not competitive. He'd never really ran in the top five once today. I don't think. And no, and even when he got close, it just never really it never really came to fruition for him. The weird things kept happening to him. I think Ricky Stenhouse hit him coming out when he decided to pit, maybe pit, not pit. Who knows? Ricky didn't even know what he was doing, so Martin definitely didn't know what he was doing. He ended up giving him a bump. We actually thought he slashed his tire at that point. Luckily, he was able to stay on the racetrack. But, yeah, you would expect more from a guy who is driving for his playoff life, and you would expect more from Toyota to give him a car that would give him an opportunity to really get into the playoffs. And, you know, it seemed like all the speed Toyota had was in Chris Bell's car and Denny Hamlin's car. And Martin was just kind of, I don't know what program he's on, if he's on the same program, different program, but he needs a win bat. And it'll be interesting to see how Joe Gibbs racing takes it going, you know, takes on this challenge moving forward, if they're going to do anything for Martin to try and get him into the playoffs or what the deal is going to be. Yeah, you mentioned that it was kind of Denny Hamlin, Chris Bell, the Toyotas today. Richmond historically is a Toyota-dominated track. Truex especially has been really good there, but today was kind of a Ford day. Um, it, it kind of played more as like a gateway earlier in the year with Logano, how he won there. But uh, you look at the top five here, Bush or the top three at least, Carvick and Bush were there. Logano was P6, Almirola eighth, Blaney, Sindrick. I mean, these guys were all in the top 12 right there had some speed today, which has not been the case for most of the year. No, they were, you know, I say it in the wrap, they had a ton of speed. And it was just, that was the one thing that stuck with me as we were watching the race. I mean, you saw the 22 run up towards the front the entire day and really kind of set the pace there for a little while. And, you know, like I said, Blaney didn't really jump out at me, but at the same time, like, I, I mean that in the case that he didn't really jump out to do anything to win the race, but he still ran a very solid race. Car was still pretty good. I mean, he's, those Fords really showed up, and I'm not sure what they've done with the R&D to get better, you know, this better, this much better this quickly in the season. But it's good to see because, remember, just a few weeks ago, we were talking about how terrible they looked. And Hand up, I was on Penske especially. All three of their cars finished in the top 12. Even Austin Sindrick, who has really had a, a really rough summer, to say the least. You know, P12, not a bad day for all of them. Um but especially the RFK cars, Busher, though, really dominant today. Um, I, I don't want to say dominant, wrong word, but uh, a lot more speed than he usually shows. And um, Adam, just was there something on the car? I don't know. So uh, Bob's hinting at this because for the very first to. time in my life, um, on Saturday in the middle of the day, I was doing some work and uh, I was on YouTube and I didn't realize that NASCAR – live streams the car inspection and the scanning process if you haven't checked it out go on youtube on a saturday it's actually a very cool process you know a lot of lasers they take a lot of different images of the car and whatnot and sure enough while i was sitting there watching it you know like i said doing some work um chris busher's car rolls in and i watched live chris busher's car fail inspection twice and me being the gambler that I am decide, you know what? If his car failed inspection twice, it's got to be fast. It's got to be fast enough. And just like that, I put a little bit of money on Chris Busher to land in the top 10. And lo and behold, Chris Busher runs with that like he did today. I feel like a seer. I feel like an oracle. Um, I, every now and again, you get one right. And it just makes you forget how wrong I, I, I usually am. And that one felt very, very good. Do you hear that, one, kids? I went one do, and three this weekend, and the one is all that matters. If you if you put in the homework, you do a little studying, you make the effort to watch the research and development, or they, you know, they're doing inspection on the cars. Adam put in the effort, and look, it paid off. So uh, follow your dreams, put in the effort, and you might you might fall into a Chris Busher top three even next week if you if you play your cards right. Speaking of uh, people putting in effort. Uh, Kyle Larson had a hell of an effort racing all weekend. Uh, obviously came back from Knox Knoxville, ended up getting back in his hotel about three in the morning. And then, you know, racing Sunday at Richmond uh, as a, as a perennial Kyle Larson, Kyle Larson better. Um, I wanted, I wanted more from him. I, I, I really thought that that car was good enough to win that race. Um, it was on pole. Just a, 
Yeah, I'm telling you. I know, I know. And even, but you know how it goes. You could be on pole and still not have the, one of the better cars on the racetrack. You know, you could just have a car that's fast and qualifying. But he seemed to have a good car all race. Just there is something about that five car in stage three this year. He's snake bit. You can't get anything done in stage three. I don't know if you're noticing the same thing I am, but it just seems like they run a great race. And then all of a sudden they just get caught in something in stage three and it ruins their finish. Yeah, I, I don't want to say it's completely the polar opposite of last year, but kind of similar to where Larson was dominating in the summer last year and Chase Elliott was having a really rough stretch where he had speed, but just for whatever reason, whether it was pit issues or got caught up in wrecks, car issues, just couldn't really finish races. And you're kind of seeing almost a reversal this summer where Chase Elliott is the one who's really running well, historically is not good at, at uh, Richmond and had P5 this week. Larson had speed, was on pole, like we said, and just never really was in the front of the, the pack this week. It just, for whatever reason, that five team just can't put it all together at the same time, which maybe down the line they're going to figure it out. They have that championship pedigree, but uh, it's it's definitely something that's interesting. He's eighth in playoff standings right now, Adam. Yeah, and, you know, part of me is alarmed, but obviously, you know, when you've got Cliff Daniels on the pit box and you've got a driver like Kyle Larson, you can't worry too much but it's something that you do have to keep an eye on as we're headed towards the playoffs. See if they can't get a little bit of momentum going in their way. Cause they seem to have had, you know, early season, Kevin Harvick luck these past few weeks. And that was remember earlier in the season, it was not a good time to be Kevin Harvick. Yeah. I, Kevin Harvick, we bring him back up here, even hand up. I think last week you and I texted and we may have even mentioned on the podcast, you know, this might have been Harvick's last win at Michigan. Um, uh, nope, nope, not quite. No, nope. Kevin Harvick comes back, back to back. That's really, maybe this is just a flash in the pan. Maybe Ford's just shown a little spark here. But, you know, Harvick has definitely put himself in a good position to make a run here in the championship for it. And it's starting to kind of be talked about a little bit more here. But that is one guy that you do not want to give any sort of hope here. With him <laughs> Mama, and his crew chief combo. Oh, there goes those men. You put Harvick and Roddy Childers in a good position in the playoffs with good tracks. They're historically have a lot of data on have been successful at, you know, Adam, that is not somebody I want around there. And all these teams that uh, have been somewhat successful at the start this year, Joe Gibbs, Hendrick, you don't want Kevin Harvick starting to get a little, a little sneakily hot going into the playoffs. Oh, you don't want a squirrely Kevin Harvick headed into the chase. That's for sure. Um, you know, we talked about a lot of the blue blood race teams being worried about Kevin Harvick. Another guy who may have to worry about it is Denny Hamlin, co-owner of 2311, um, had his co- other co-owner, Michael Jordan, on the pit box at Richmond this week. Um, good to see him at the racetrack. Um, obviously, you know, Kurt Busch still not able to drive, you know, still recover from that concussion. So Ty Gibbs back in that car, um, which was the recipe that gave us what I can only describe as the single most interesting battle for state for 15th position in stage two I've ever seen. Between oh, yeah, Ty that G- happened. Yeah. Oh, that, yes, that happened. So, you know, we saw Ty Gibbs and Kyle Busch you know, really kind of put it on one another and race each other really hard for 15th. And it was very cool. It was, you know, to see Ty um, go in there, kind of get pushed. And, you know, Kyle moved him. And, it, you know, no secret. Anybody watching it saw it. Kyle moved him. And then the very next corner, Ty Gibbs comes around and says, hey, dude, I'm not playing it. I'm not playing that shit. I'm moving you back. And I think in the long run, you know, Ty's got this kind of this image that, oh, he's just going to put the bumper to you. He doesn't matter. Da, 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 da. But I think it goes a long way with the other drivers in the garage just showing, hey, I am not going to get pushed around out there. I don't care if you're Kyle Busch. I don't care who you are. I'm not getting pushed around. What do you think of that, Bob? Definitely a new generation of drivers. You don't really see that uh, in the old school guys. But no, I mean, Ty said, hey, you know, if you're going to bump me like that, I'm going to defend myself. And uh, you're seeing a lot of these guys who are all talk when it, uh, I don't want to say all talk right now, but at the moment with Ross Chastain, you know, Ross is bumping these guys. They're all saying, you know, it's going to come around. Well, Ty Gibbs says, Hey, if you bump me, I'm going to get you right back. Um, and it's just, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see moving forward. You know, like, I don't know if Kurt's going to be back these next two races. I don't know if there's really a point to force it at this, at this rate until the playoffs. And, you know, who knows after that, don't want to speculate, but for as long as Ty Gibbs is in these cars, uh, he doesn't look like he's going to back down, and this field's got to realize that um, 
these young guys aren't just going to back down and have respect for him just because they've been there already, Adam. Yeah, you think uh, think Ty Gibbs is going to get out the car, go yell, go yell, Kyle Busch, tell him to get the hell out of his his ride for next year. The drama just wrote itself. It was like it was scripted by NBC, how they had those two together, bumping, going back and forth. And you know Joe Gibbs and Toyota executives are watching that with wide eyes going, hmm, what do we think about this? That was 10 laps of some of the best side-by-side racing we've seen all year. And especially at a short track like – it was – you couldn't keep your eyes off of it. It was was absolutely electric to watch – Really good, bodes well for the future of the sport. Um, you know, you get guys like Ty Gibbs, you get to see him come in and get a, you know, kind of build that little bit of rivalry with a guy like Kyle Bush. Looks like it was like 10 laps to make up about what, 30, 40 million dollar difference there on the contract? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Just something I mean, notable. I mean, you gotta, it's gotta be in the back of your mind that, you know, if, if Ty can compete with him in a car that's very similar already at 19 years old with no real experience in these cars and on these tracks in this next gen car. Look, I'm not saying he's ready to go already, but he's showing that he's not scared to be out there, and he hasn't really made mistakes. I mean, that engine issue wasn't his fault. He was running well today, Adam. Yeah, he was running real well all day. Um, just one of those things, Bob. As, as you look through stage, it's funny. I'm looking through my notes trying to think about some of the more memorable moments of stage two, and really all of them revolve around that eight, the 18 car and and Ty Gibbs. I mean, I'll be honest. The, the first two stages weren't very memorable. It was kind of one of those just, you know, all the leader, a couple battles here and there. They kind of got behind Logano toward the, the end of stage one and stage two and just followed suit. But um, outside of that battle, there wasn't really anything going on. And then stage three, you know, just when you think you go and. Let's get ready to rumble. Ladies and gentlemen, Ross Chastain showed up to stage three with an absolute vengeance. Every week, Adam. I don't know, man. I mean, at some point, you know what was hilarious about this one? Is last week we were talking about Eric Jones and Ross Chastain getting into each other at Michigan. And that was what it was. Everybody kind of in the media had decided, all right, you know what? Nothing really Ross could have done there. The hilarious part is, is Ross goes the very next week, goes to Richmond you know, puts the 18 around and then everybody from a basically changed their take from the, from the accident last week. Now it was his fault <laughs> with Joe, with Chris, with Chris Bell. And I'm just sitting there like, he's not doing himself any favors. And you heard Kyle Bush say it after the race, you know, we got chastained this week and there's a lot of guys in the garage has got to be feeling that way, Bob. It's tough because it, I hate to say it wasn't really Ross's fault. It's just a racing incident. Because it was, but every week it's the same person involved, and he's racing every race like it's a playoff race, and these guys are just getting fed up with it. And I, there's just, there's no way they're going to race him the same way in the playoffs, right, Adam? Like, there's, I just, I, there's no way. No, I, I, I mean, we were talking about it a little bit as we were kind of getting into the show, but um, there's, I don't think he can drive like that and win a championship. I, I think he's got too many guys who have a target on his back. There's just, well, there's. There's too many people that are going to want to wreck it. Or you, that you will said wreck championship. Him. He's right. He, every week, they really have great top speed. They're in the front of the pack almost every week. Every track, every style, whether it's a road course, super speedway, intermediate. But the problem is when they're not winning or they're not finishing top five, top ten, they're wrecking out. And in the playoffs where there's three races around, one race, two races, you get wrecked out, you're banking on a win. And yeah, Ross has had a lot of speed, but... When everyone's racing as aggressive as you in the playoffs come that time, hey, that's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it plays out for him. I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, we've seen that Ross has had success driving like this in the regular season when guys are a lot more passive. What happens when a guy like Kyle Busch sees him early in the race and says, fuck it, I don't want to deal with him now. I'm going to deal with him now. That way I don't have to deal with him later. And it's not like Kyle Busch is the only guy. I mean, you got Kyle Bush who wants to get, who wants to get into it. You heard the radio chatter with the five who was talking about Ross. You know, everybody. I mean, Denny. I mean, Denny. Don't even get me started on Denny. I mean, but yeah, I guess Denny and Ross. Yeah, they, they, yeah, yeah. they got a little thing. Uh, they got something going on. A little tiff. Yeah, I'm not sure. That's so weird. I thought they. No, it's a laundry list. So Every everybody in the garage has at least one incident with them. It feels like even guys that aren't playoff drivers like Austin Dillon. You don't want. I mean. You don't want to have guys like that that should be getting out of the way in the playoffs mad at you because they're going to make life hell. 
Yeah, and that's the thing is that even it just comes down to a relationship thing, and and it just seems like Ross is rubbing guys the wrong way. I mean, they're consistently he's consistently finding a way if to not if not causing the wrecks, he's finding a way to be in the middle of them at all times. And I just think that at some point, probably in the playoffs, it is going to come back and bite him. But you know, to go back to something we were talking about. You know, I think we talk, we get lost talking about Ross a lot when we're talking about track house, things like that. Um, not that Daniel Suarez has been a world burner by any stretch of the imagination, but what a good teammate, what a complimentary teammate to have for a guy like Ross Chastain. Um, I think, you know, I think he really does a good job of providing balance to the team. Um, doesn't, guy that doesn't seem to be involved in a lot of things usually a real a real yin and yang combo over there a hundred percent really the guy who kind of stays out of everything i mean he'll quietly have very good days or he'll quietly have terrible days to does be anybody dislike daniel suarez i don't think there's and anybody in the garage that does which is kind work. of the opposite of Roz. yeah it's crazy it's like you know you walk in as a race team and it averages out at 50 percent because 100 100 of the guys it makes like suarez no sense. and zero percent like chastain it makes no sense but i guess like you're saying the yin and yang on their race team i just think it's fascinating good cop bad cop over at track house it's it's something i that's something i never even thought of adam that's a wow oh man yeah. it's comp- i mean just think about it i mean it, it just the polar opposite of driving styles on that race team to me has always been something and you've seen it you know different teams different teams have different styles but just to see a new team that's coming in you know kind of that fast and wild like it's almost like they threw a, a flashbang grenade at the whole damn sport at the beginning of the year yeah. and they're we're just now kind of getting used to seeing them it's but yeah it'll be interesting to see um how you know watching people race suarez as compared to ross chastain i just just something to keep an eye on in my opinion so overall with this richmond track adam two dates the hot the hot commodity is you know they lost a playoff race last year to this earlier date than the the late summer over at richmond had obviously the spring race which you know i don't think anybody's thinking it's very memorable right i i mean uh whatever uh do you think that they need two dates is it uh... Uh, it's gonna be hard because you're gonna piss a lot of people in that area off because it is such a uh my tradition it, yeah it's a big tradition you know racing there in that part of virginia but um you know i i just don't think that this track needs two races with these cars i think you get them there once i think yesterday's race was was the one that you do i think uh i think to watch it was so interesting to watch the cars be able to it was essentially like they were driving video game cars because every line worked at Richmond. And that was the first time I'd seen that in a while. So it was probably the most interesting Richmond race I've seen in years, but at the same time, I only need that once a year. Yeah. I would, ra- I would rather see something different. I would rather go to another, you know, either a new track, you know, we're talking a lot about what to do with the road America date. Why not give that one of those dates to road America? That's definitely worth it. In my opinion, that's a fair, that's, that's a more than even trade, but I am in the camp of, I don't believe Richmond needs two dates. I just, I don't, I don't think they need it anymore. I think, and this is always going to be a problem when you run into NASCAR is you have guys who people who will traditionally never be able to get away from the idea of Richmond having less than two races and they'll hold on to it and they won't let, I, you know, NASCAR does this consistently. They don't listen to the, their young fans. They, and they'll probably keep two races at Richmond. I just don't think it should be. Yeah, kind of uh, the, the last decade or so, it's trended toward, you know, I think they deserve one race. Uh, back in the heyday of NASCAR, those races were great. The night race, that rock and roll 400, I mean, it was a it was must-see TV. The last decade or so, it's just kind of gotten to the point where it's just kind of follow the leader. It's not even really a short track race, three-quarters of a mile. So, you know, it gets dubbed a short track with all the excitement without kind of the excitement at this point. Um, it's... Uh, tough to say because there's a couple of tracks in the area kentucky maybe chicago a couple intermediate tracks iowa is open iowa would be actually something iowa is the one that i want to see especially that would be because, a good one 
you know, I think even though they're not, you know, they're not related, but just a little continuity for race fans and having them go to Iowa because Indy goes there, I think it would be a smart decision for NASCAR, in my opinion. Yeah, it's the facilities are, are pretty darn good. Indy, IndyCar might have just kept that place alive, uh, funnily enough. But uh, no, I mean, with Richmond having two dates, that, that area up in, you know, Northern Virginia, the, the Carolinas, it's already oversaturated with so many races. So, you know, attendance, if you force one race in that Richmond area, you're going to have the maximum amount of people there instead of having to split it up. You've seen with Michigan and tracks in the past where if they have one track date, the stands are statistically going to be more packed. And so well, look better at for everyone this year. Yeah, Pocono's, Pocono's a great Pocono's, example. Pocono's the case study for this. I mean, Pocono, that infield, I mean, not you saw they they had a really fun thread afterwards of all the things that got left in the infield, but it was packed, jam packed. And, you know, you remember they would do two races of Pocono. They'd be about halfway full, quarter full. Sometimes you have to create the demand in order to get people interested. I mean, you have to kind of even you have to kind of say, look, we're going to we're going to cut back on the supply to create this demand a little bit. And I think Richmond, Richmond can I believe Richmond can get to a place to where they will run two races again. I think the race fans at Richmond right now can only support one race a year. That's a, that, I like how you put that. That's a, that's a strong way to put it there. And yeah. just the, the racing hasn't really given itself to earn to with the, the last couple of years. And you know, NASCAR needs a good product on the track every week to retain fans. And I will say this, as far as Richmond goes with these next gen cars and seeing them make all so many different lines work and everybody was finding speed in so many different areas of the track. If that is happening every single time we're at Richmond and they're racing clean and, and that type of no problems. I would watch that race that I watched yesterday over and over again. I thought it was very interesting to see cars not have to necessarily bump or move one another to gain speed. They could switch lines and just keep running laps. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was very interesting. And to see the racing really kind of put on the pedestal at the track, I thought was a good thing. But we'll see. Like I said, Sage 3 was really good. Watching the different strategies unfold and uh, watching between Harvick, Logano, the 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 Toyota cars doing something on their own thing where you were kind of like, are they going to stay out? Nope. They're just going to go 10 laps later. It almost worked in the end for one car, which again, it just really shows the different strategies can pay off. And those strategy races can be exciting. I will say with NBC's coverage, Steve Letarte is so damn good at making that exciting. Um, Just uh, he really makes you feel like, you know, what's going on, whether you understand pit strategy or not. So um, it was a good finish to the race, but you know, for Richmond to have two dates, it's got to be a little more consistent than just, oh, it was a good strategy. Yeah, 100%. And on top of it, um, as far as viewers go, NBC's been releasing numbers weekly. I think the latest number is viewership's up about 4% from last year. Um, you know, seems like a very small increase, but when you're talking mass quantities of people, 4%, that's that's a big number. And it's good to see um, – you know, times, as Bob Dylan once said, times they are changing around NASCAR, Bob. And uh, I think one of the crazier things that you brought to my attention before this started was uh, a little bit of a rumor about the price of charters going up, eh, Bob? Was it? Uh, I saw a, a couple podcast articles and discussions where around $20 million now. That's We're getting into some expensive territory here. Uh, Denny Hamlin bought his for what 13 million last year I believe Adam uh, yeah but hear me out and here's here's what I'm here's what's going to drive me crazy a little bit is everybody's talking about how expensive these charters are and they don't get me wrong they're super expensive for you know historically what NASCAR has you know has charged for the charters that type of thing as we move forward it will be interesting to see what they do with the model because I think this could be an opportunity for a lot of people to get it. I think, I think NASCAR, even at $20 million, if they, if they do things correctly, I think there's – there's, and, the, and the deal is good. The next deal, obviously, with, with the sharing of the media rights and stuff like that, that's going to be huge as well. But I just think there really is an opportunity in NASCAR that is untapped. There's something in the advertising. There's something with this new age media that I believe NASCAR taps into. They just haven't figured out how to harness it yet. And I think that's why you see this high of an evaluation. 
is because I don't think NASCAR knows. That's why you're seeing crazy numbers is because not even NASCAR understands how much money they can make in the future. So $20 million, it sounds ridiculous, but you're buying essentially it's a pro it's a pro sports franchise. Obviously it's, it's more expensive because the parts, the stadium, you know, you're not paying for stadium upkeep. You're paying for, obviously you're bringing a hundred thousand dollar race car with you every week. But you're paying for that exclusive access. That's the biggest thing with that. You're having that, that card that says, Hey, I can race every week. I'll guaranteed money. You know, whatever I invest in this sport, you get back into it. But to have that upfront cost, I think the other thing to think about with this $20 million assessment is there's only so many charters here. Most of these charters have teams that are locked. I shouldn't say locked in, but I mean, most of these teams aren't having, they have no plans of selling for the foreseeable future outside of maybe three Rick, Rick Ware racing rockets, uh, maybe a Spire Motorsports car. You know, most of these teams out, they don't have well, any plans well, to sell right now. Well, so but think about buy? it. But here's the problem here. Well, not a problem, but here's the thinking. If you're Rick Ware and you see a $20 million valuation on a, on a NASCAR charter, you holding on to it? Rick Ware races in so many different places. Why would he? And I think, to be honest with you, it's probably better for the sport because you get some people in who may, you know, who aren't trying to field a couple of different cars, maybe buy one of the chargers and put one really good car on the track. But it will be interesting to see because I think as NASCAR grows up, and I say grow up because you're going to see NASCAR make a, a switch here, whether they like it or not. It's going from what you would consider, you know, you see it a lot if, in your local communities, watching people go from small family businesses into corporations. And I think NASCAR, as ridiculous as it sounds, because it's a billion dollar corporation, to this point has very much been run like a family business. They've kept it very much in the family. They've very much, you know, literally in the family, in the France family. Well, think about the France family. I mean, think about, I mean, the first families in NASCAR exist for a reason. You've got the Earnhardts, the Elliots, the Waltrips. I mean, you've got so many of these families that come into your mind that when you're thinking about it, and it's, I it's think a, it's a family sport. It is. The problem is, is that at the end of the day, NASCAR is primarily used to advertise and the adver- the money in advertising has gone up astronomically. And NASCAR has somehow resisted this change. And I think as we see the new media deal and things like that, you're going to see some of the pricing and stuff for these NASCAR. It is going to go to a place and a realm of business that a lot of people in this sport have never even considered. And I am very anxious to see who it attracts, to say the least. Yes, because it's going to be just overall. It's not going to be just, you know, juniors cars or, you know, Jeff Gordon's cars back in the day where, you know, a select few guys were getting a huge percentage of this pie. And yeah, NASCAR was a major, major moneymaker and everyone's getting merchandising sales and all that. But sponsorship wise, you know, you're going to see something different here. Um, it, it's, it's guys like Trackhouse are doing it right where they fill in charters with multiple different little sponsors because they, you know, they don't have the name brand recognition right away to get FedEx or these Fortune 500 companies. So they're using these methods to fill their cars make the money, and then down the line, look, they're booked for two years. I guarantee you, three years, four years from now, they're going to have no problems getting major, major companies to sponsor them if they're still this successful. How often do we talk about Ross Chastain on this podcast? Every week. Do you know how good that Moose sponsorship is? The value they get? I don't even – it's a Moose fraternity. I don't even understand. Yeah, I don't know is. what the hell it but is. It's on the car every, like, five weeks, and it's like, oh, the Moose is back. Okay, cool. They get great advertising value. They really do. Yeah, I'm very excited. Um, you know, the one thing is, is with a valuation that high, I guess the question I pose to you, Bob, is as far as the people who are around NASCAR at this time, let's say a charter becomes available. Who are you putting money on to be the person who buys that charter? Oh, that's Because the tough. options... There's a couple. There's a couple. I, there's three that come to mind for me. A couple, but the major one for me is Denny, obviously. 2311. Denny wants in bad. They want another car. I don't know what the plan is here. Maybe to keep Kurt and add, uh, you know, whether it's Kyle Bush or add Reddick early. I don't know. Um, but they're hell bent on getting a third car, it looks like, at some point. Obviously, Dale Jr. has been rumored at times. 
you know, <laughs> the money thing is problematic there. It seems like just they don't want to spend that much money. And I, you know, totally get it. They're basically a Hendrick satellite team for the Xfinity series. So they've got a good thing going right now. And until they get a good you know, deal, they're not probably, you know, just froth, frothing at the mouth. There's no reason for Dale Earnhardt to go out and spend $20 million. Mm-mm. You know what I mean? Like if, it, it, and that's kind of the thing is like we were talking about earlier is Dale's going to look at it and say, Oh, I kind of want a discount, but they can't give him any. It's not, we're getting past that point. It's there's no friendship discounts anymore out here with this kind of money. Um, and then the other one that's kind of interesting is, is just, they said that GMS is kind of, wanting to expand a little bit, whether it's to get rid of their truck series and go full cup or, you know, I I don't know, but that's something interesting to watch there too, Adam. Yeah, definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, I think for me, the only one that you didn't say um, that was on my radar is college racing. Um, We've heard that throughout, throughout the year. They, you know, he's looking to buy another current charter. Um, They got money. Oh, they have money. So that's the thing. I mean, you've got guys that are willing to pay it who want to go racing. I mean, what are they going to do? Sit there and say, oh, no, please don't pay $20 million to this charter? Yeah. I mean, but now yeah. that you mentioned Matt Collig real quick, I mean, we might as well discuss it. There, It seems like Kyle Busch and Collig Racing is a little more open than I guess some people realized, uh, whether it's between 2311, Gibbs, Stuart Haas, Collig. It seems like those are kind of the four major ones. Colleagues yeah. kind of in it now. I I don't know. They they got I, money, but are they competitive? I don't know. That was my biggest thing. I I, I mean, from the colleague interested in Kyle Busch side makes perfect sense. Why wouldn't you be interested in a driver like Kyle Busch? But you know, I guess from the Kyle Busch to Kyle Racing side, what does that do for you, really? I mean, he was frustrated with his Joe Gibbs car this week. I mean, can you imagine if he was in a college racing car this week? He would have he would have lost his mind. He would probably jumped out the window. I mean, he don't. It just doesn't make. And that's my thing. I don't think Kyle Busch is going to be happy on a team that is sometimes competitive. Being with Joe Gibbs for so long has really spoiled him to the point to where he's always been competitive. He's always had a good car to drive. I don't see. As much as you know, it make it could happen, and we hear rumors, and it's open, and that type of thing. Like you keep saying, I'll believe it when I see it. That he actually lives leaves Joe Gibbs Racing. There's I, we'll talk about it up and down till we're blue in the face. But I just don't think he's leaving. It's fun to talk about because it's a major news story, and obviously every week there's a new article or some sort of quote that comes out that you got to analyze. But yeah, it's just it's a one of those things. That he's been there so long. You know Toyota wants to keep him. Maybe he does go to 2311. Maybe they buy a third charter for him to keep Toyota in the family with Kyle Busch Motorsports and the Truck Series. Who knows? But um, it, it's just one of these nonstop stories. It's 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 just a cycle here. Yep, death taxes, us talking about Kyle Busch's contract. Uh, we, you know, it's one of those things. We'll talk about it until it's, uh, until it's finally settled. But, you well, know, until... Let's, let's... Let's switch it up then, since since we we talk about Kyle Busch every freaking weekend, Adam. Yeah. Let's, let's do let's do a little Watkins Glen here, okay? Yeah. Let's, well, we're road coursing again, okay? It's been yeah. what two weeks? Two yeah, weeks since, two weeks since road, we've been to a road okay. course. Yeah, All right, well, we're due minute. for another one. We're due for another <laughs> one. This one's actually fun. Uh, Watkins Glen hasn't been on the the calendar in a couple of years with with COVID restrictions, obviously New York, so gonna be fun to go up there um and see what uh what the new car does up there because there's a couple of guys in the field that uh aren't usually in the field that uh i'm really excited about adam i'm really excited about yeah there's all sorts of guys i believe the uh the graphic that's getting pushed around nascar twitter right now is that there will be a driver from seven different countries um represented in this race at Watkins Glen and uh upstate new york so it looks like the un is taking their show on the road up to watkins Glen. you know we're going to get a lot of international representatives i'm very excited you know we saw the videos last week what do you expect out of kimmy bob i'm so excited for kimmy so here's the thing track house has been very competitive at their road courses this year he's in a track house car i'm not saying that he's going to win but don't be shocked if he's up there in the top 15 top 10 at some point because this guy won an F1 World Championship. Look, Kimi Raikkonen is 
just going to say it, so much of a better driver overall than some of these guys that look. The fact they're even out there with him is is really cool. Um, it's just so and, cool to see him out there. And if there was a driver that, I guess, for the thing with Kimmy is, is if there was a driver that was going to come in and actually, you know, crazy word didn't even talk about it, but win an NASCAR race like this, this would be the perfect storm. You would need a driver like Kimmy and a situation like we're in with this next-gen car. It's the first year for the car. It's new to everybody. The most important thing right now is having experience on road courses like this, and Kimmy has that in spades. So the only question is, what does he? how comfortable is he in the next-gen car? I didn't hear a ton of information off of, you know, I know he was testing last week. Um, gosh, blanking on the name of the track, but I know he was testing last week, running the car around. Be very interested to see how everything shakes out here. Adam, sometimes there, there are moments made for podcast gold, and this is one of them right now. Our friends at BetMGM have the odds for bo- go bowling at the Glen on Sunday. Kimmy oh, Raikkonen is plus 4,000. He has so much better odds at plus 12,500 Cole Custer. They think he is over three times more likely to win than Cole Custer. That makes me just, <laughs> oh, this podcast every, is now my favorite. Every now and again, you know, get on the internet, whether it's Twitter. I needed that tonight. I needed that. No, you really do. Every now and again, you just pop on a social media site and, you know, old daddy Zuck doesn't give you what you want. It gives you what you need. And no, I'm just saying, hey, that, that means that the desert thinks that, hey, Kimi Raikkonen has a shot, though, at least, to be competitive here. And can you imagine if he won? The, it, internationally, it would be great for NASCAR just to – it also would be like, hey, yeah. this guy just came in and won, too. Whatever, but the podcast it'd be a good story. Host, the podcast hosted me says, yeah, he, you know, definitely be awesome if he wins. The realistic NASCAR fan says, yeah, no, he's probably not going to win. But yep, he'll, very he'll excited to see him. Very excited to see him show up. Yeah, he'll pull up in lap twenty. It'll be pull up in lap twenty. Exactly. Call it in there. Yeah. yeah, we'll have him in the post race interview before uh, before the end of stage one. <laughs> well, uh, real quick, Watkins Glen predictions, my friend. Road coursing. What do we got? Give me, oh, give me man. a winner and a long shot. Mm. You know, I'm gonna let you go first on this one, Bob, because I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't have my names prepared. I know You're this okay. is a this is a deep failure of podcast to me. So give me your picks for the weekend. Okay. 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 Um, let's see here. For the road course at Watkins Glen, you know, he hasn't actually been great at road courses lately. I think Chase Elliott wins at Watkins Glen. I do. Ooh. Long shot. Um, just a guy that, um, statistically he's not bad at road courses. He actually was in the top at Indy before he got wrecked out with everyone else. Uh, wouldn't be shocked if Ryan Blaney had a good day. He needs it. I'm taking another guy that's desperate. Like last week with Trux. you know, Hey, why not Ryan Blaney too? All right. In that time, I, uh, got my, got my thoughts together. My long shot pick, um, guy that I usually, I love picking on road courses just because I think he's. Really, I, and you know, I think you know I'm exactly where I'm headed. I, and I love him to death. The old 34. There it is! Michael McDowell. Um, Wiley veteran, just, you know, coming back to the track. I think he's raced to Watkins Glen a ton in his NASCAR career. Um, new car, you know, the only thing that hasn't changed is the track. So, as far as a long shot goes, has, has, has given me no reason to believe he will run well at Watkins Glen. But you know what? I Why not? And that's, that's my long shot pick. Um, as far as my pick for the race, I think you need to look at the people who, when they go road course racing, simply do not give a shit. And for me, those two people recently have been Joe Ilgano and Ross Chastain. So that has been my hard my pick, um, I think Logano's run with a ton of speed lately. I really think Joey Logano could end up winning this race. Um, I know. I, was he my pick last week? Am I just – do I just keep I, cycle picking and just you keep know, picking hey, the same thing until You're happens? a loyal man. You're a loyal man. I respect yeah, it. One of us is going to hit on these eventually. Amen. Well, what are we going to do? Pick Kyle Larson again? I mean, that's, that's a homer pick. 
I mean, if I were to pick Kyle Larson again, I mean, my God, I don't, I don't know, brother. As the wheel um, turns. Oh, fuck. Shout out to my boy, Will Byron. Let's go, Will Byron. Let's keep it in the Hendrick family. We're going to get the 24. I think, well, you know, why not? You get another guy. We're, we're picking out of our asses this week. But yeah, we, like, we, we like that. We started the podcast off the rails. We got serious for a while here. This was, we were adults here for a little bit. Yeah, we showed and up then to we the went off the rails table. at the end. You know, hey. Yeah, it's what you look for, really. We came full circle as the, uh, as the show goes on. Yes, as we, uh, as the train settles in. I mean, Adam, are you already thinking about your Watkins Glen rap here? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, we will not be rapping ever again. I, like, I realized I wrote a rap, and then, like, I guess part of me didn't realize that I was actually going to have to perform said rap. Um, I'm a lot of things in my life. Um, a rapper is not one of them. You're a ghostwriter. You oh, I'm certainly a ghostwriter. Um, yeah, certainly. But, Yeah. Um, shout out to the guy on Twitter who was just trying to like drag me. He's like, "Oh yeah, this is terrible." I was like, "Yeah, no, no, yeah, it's awful." I know. I was like, "But you got to admit, it's kind of creative." And it's funny, man. You go back and forth with people on Twitter. You just just gotta love it. Some people so. think the Mona Lisa is ugly too, Adam. Remember that. Well, I think it's important to remember that the guy clicked on a uh, link from a by a profile, a Twitter profile that has a picture of. John Madden holding a bottle of t- tough acting to actin, So boom, tough acting to actin. Tough acting to actin. Boom. Uh, speaking, hey, you know what? Speaking of John Madden, uh, anything you got? Anything for football? Malik Malik Willis debuted. Titans. Uh, yeah, I mean preseason's hard to get hype for for me. Um, I watched a little bit of the second quarter with Malik there. Um, some good throws, some bad. I don't know. Well, how'd the Eagles look at him? Uh, they're the Eagles. Uh, I, I honestly stopped watching Eagles preseason football. The only preseason thing that I am loyal to is hard knocks. Um, you know, Aiden Hutchinson going on hard knocks. Um, is this your Billy worth Jean. watching? It, it's pretty – It's it's been funny. Dan Campbell is worth the price of admission. Okay. I'll say that much. They've Dan lost Campbell, me the last few years, but Dan Campbell's just no, an animated man. Funny. Dan Campbell is worth the price of admission on this one. It, it's, it is almost – like he literally, I think the quote is, um, "You can have one ass cheek and three fingers, and we'll still kick your ass." Was the opening line from our docs this year? Um, yeah, you know they're really trying to build up hope for the Lions. Um, their running back, who's got a ton of talent, um, was you, you got know, three fingers or an ass. <laughs> Sorry, I'm still know, marinating on that. No, quote. I know, that, I know, I, it's I, the worst. Yeah, you're gonna have to watch. Just, yeah, yeah DeAndre is, Swift. DeAndre Swift looks great this year. Yes, yeah. Anyway, back to that. No, Sorry. no, no. De, like DeAndre Swift, like got up there and was like crying in a team meeting. Like we're not like that record last year was embarrassing. Da 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 da. Um, I don't know, man. They got a lot of former NFL guys on this on that line staff. Um, be interesting to see how 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 goes it for them. How. How it shakes out. I really hope they can put something together. I like Dan Campbell. He's just he just is a likeable. grinder. Yeah, just a grinder. He seems authentic. I mean, he is a true football guy to the bone. Like, it's almost scary. Yeah, just one of those guys who, if he wasn't coaching football, you have absolutely no idea what else he would be doing. For the sake of the world, I'm glad he's coaching football. How crazy is it that when you think about it, Dan Campbell and Joe Gibbs have the same profession? <laughs> Like where else? What, what other sport do you get that much variety? That is a that is a one end of the spectrum to the other. If I've ever seen one, I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean coach got us, you know, got the prayer cards out all the time, handing them out to everywhere. And then you got Dan Campbell talking about how if you got one ass cheek and three fingers, we'll kick your ass. <laughs> I mean, what? That's that. Those locker rooms are so different. I mean, oh, wow, just massively different. I mean, any locker room you walk into is just a mess. But can you imagine? I just think think of the different people, the different personalities that have been NFL head coaches. I mean, even in the league now, you've got guys like Belichick, Vrabel, and then you've got guys like Sean McVay, Cliff Kingsbury. It's like, what are like? What are these coaches' meetings like? Like, Andy Reid hogs the buffet. 
Uh, yeah, Devin, no, Andy Reid's got to please. Come on now. That's a that's a stone cold block. They actually like ever since his days with the Eagles, he's just got two firmly planted shoes at the front of the buffet line. Just it's they almost embedded one. in the they carpet. They have a separate one. They have the yeah. red line. Yeah, so it's almost embedded in the carpet at this point to where his tracks, I mean, he just steps year after year. I mean, it's it's incredible. Oh, I, I love the coaches. I love the coaches' meetings. Those photos are always good, too. Getting them all together. The one time they're always dressed in, like, the Hawaiian shirts. It's, Dude. It's the pinnacle nothing, of, like, uncomfortable men. There is nothing better than that photo every year. Every single year it gets released. And every There's nothing year. better than football coaches out of like an office or a field in well, like the actual world. That's the thing. Watching them having to interact. They're not with meant people. to socialize. It's like seeing your teachers out. Exactly. It's like one of these one year I just want to go to Indianapolis for the comp like the combine just to see them like in public. Because they you know they go to the same steakhouses, whatever, and that type of thing. I would just want to go be a fly on the wall well, and see them interact. I I know Urban Meyer goes out to bars, that's for sure. Okay, we allegedly, said out to bars allegedly at the allegedly. meetings, not staying in Columbus, Ohio to help a friend. And that's former NFL coach Urban Meyer. Thank you very much. Yeah. I mean, Doug know, Peterson's man. boys now. Hey, man, shout out to the Jacksonville Jaguar fans for absolutely giving it to Deshaun Watson, bad boy. Yeah, the ruthless, ruthless, all 10 of them. Yeah, we're, yeah, all 10 Jags fans were out there. You know, denim in the jacuzzi, but they were out there screaming at Deshaun Watson, all sorts of things that we're not going to repeat on the podcast because we're, we keep things very fucking clean here. So mm-hmm. we're not going to do that, but it's important. Very important. Anything else, Bob? We got anything else coming for this? Uh, uh, I don't this think week? so. Week two of preseason. Um, I'll, I'll be at the Titans game on Saturday night. So get to see some live football, God willing. Going back to the scene of the crime, I'm going to relive some trauma from january um <laughs> I'm, I'm not emotionally ready for that uh, oh so. no all right well, for the, hold on really quickly for those of you that don't know um we haven't really done much of an introduction of ourselves yet uh, bob is a diehard tennessee titans fan like a smash the shower curtain uh if they lose tennessee titans fan and uh let's just say the Bengals game was it was not our me. friends. Was not our friends' proudest moment. So, you know, if you think about it on Saturday, why don't you, uh, why don't you drop a big prayer to the man, man upstairs for Bob? Um, I could use some back. strength. I could use some strength walking into Nissan Stadium for the first time since that night in January. So, uh, thoughts and prayers, please. Um, but other than that, just gonna watch some racing, Adam. Uh, gonna be a a good weekend for the podcast content, I think. Amen. All right. Well. Um, this was episode four of the Breaking Balls podcast. Um, yo, Bob, give me a beat. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Adam, we can start it just how we finished it if you want. We can we can do something here. We can make a beat here. Freestyle, my friend. Okay. Um, I'm going to rhyme Watkins Glen with Watkins Glen. The end. Ladies and gentlemen, Breaking Balls.